0: The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor.
1: Doctor. 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 Doctor.
0: You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN
2: 1000. And hello again, everyone, and welcome into to another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. My name is Steve Cashel. I'm radio host of the Chicago Bulls. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and co-team physician of the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, and orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. As always, we're going to talk about a number of sports injury-related topics. We also have our website. Please visit sportsmedicineweekly.com. We're back to get it going right after this on ESPN 1000.
0: That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy, Ow! That's not good. or having an accident at work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy. Better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000.
2: Back in the Saturday morning, it's Sports Medicine Weekly. Our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Cole, um, is it true more and more young people are uh,
3: suffering hip problems? No, I will say this, that um, when we look at our athletes, the hip is, for whatever reason, become a very, very common joint to be involved in sports. And it's, it's, it suffers from some of the same conditions, say, as the shoulder. And there are these developmental conditions, in other words, from our, from, that stop, start in the pediatric population or maybe even in utero at the time of, you know, when the, during development that people get hip problems that ultimately lead to this sort of, uh, I, w- I don't want to say epidemic, but it's not, not too far from it because we're seeing so many young people with hip problems and possibly because now we have solutions for these problems that we really didn't have before.
2: You know, you and I got into uh, the conversation uh, maybe last week, week before on the show about um, growth plates. So are we the same thing, right? I mean, growth plates in the hip and everything. Is that Yeah, No, we've got all those Absolutely.
3: Yeah. And, and sometimes the hip can be uh, uh, misshapen and uh, growth plates can be involved. And there's a variety of conditions that involve in the growth plates of the hip, just like they do other joints in the body, like we've discussed before.
2: Our next guest is Dr. Joel Williams, orthopedic surgeon, one of your... Uh, members there at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, M-O-R. And uh, Dr. Williams, uh, how are you on this Saturday morning?
1: I'm great. How are you doing?
2: Great. Um, I've got a topic here that uh, that we want to discuss, hip dysplasia in female athletes. Dr. Cole touched on uh, the hip problems, uh, but what do we mean by hip dysplasia, Doc?
1: Well, um, hip dysplasia is a condition where there's a problem at some point during development where the hip doesn't fully develop or develops in an abnormal way so the hip is a ball and socket joint similar to the shoulder but unlike the shoulder it is um, inherently stable in the normal situation meaning the ball is is um, completely covered on the weight-bearing portion but socket the socket so the socket's part of the pelvis the ball is part of the femur the thigh bone and if there's a problem at some point during development with the shape of the socket then it can predispose to an abnormal hip joint and it's Really, the setup for early onset
3: osteoarthritis. Do you think arthritis that. Is a, sorry to interrupt. Do, do you think that, um, that athletes are more prone to this? I mean, I, I, it's, I, it's hard to imagine how that might be the case, but we're seeing a fair amount of arthritis in our younger population, which is as arthritis, as I think you were going to describe, is loss of cartilage and then subsequent changes in the bone. Is an athlete potentially more prone to develop it, or are they just more prone to develop symptoms on top of this sort of predisposition due to the abnormal development of the hip?
1: A little bit of both, more so the latter. So it's, you know, if you're using your hips and putting them, especially in, in the sports um, like wrestling and like gymnastics and like ballet where the hips are in very, very extremes of motion, then it's much more likely if you have some underlying structural problem that you're going to develop symptoms. Um, while kids are, are um, while their hips and the skeletons are developing, if they're doing sports, like I mentioned, like the gymnastics and ballet, then it absolutely can play into it. But most commonly, it's not its not a huge um, part of my practice that, that I'm seeing gymnasts and ballerinas that have this.
2: Dr. Joe Williams, our guest, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. I'm Steve Cascia with Dr. Brian Cole. Sportsmedicineweekly.com is our website. Uh, I'm reading that uh, women are five times more likely than men to get hip dysplasia. Dr. Williams, is that correct?
1: Absolutely. Why? It's actually the leading cause of um, early onset osteoarthritis, and if you look at women that are having hip replacements under the age of fifty or sixty years old, oftentimes there's an undiagnosed case of hip dysplasia which doesn't manifest until later in life for whatever reason.
3: Do you think? Do you think any of this is uh, preventable, or is it just a sort of this genetic? Have they tied it into a, this a genetic predisposition that's inherited?
1: We know there are some risk factors. Having a family history, like you mentioned, is definitely the, the biggest. Um, Risk factor. Um, there are some other things as people are developing uh, swaddling, for example, if kids are swaddled, swaddled in a certain way with your hips straight down and sort of knees together.
3: So that like would that. mean that would mean certain populations are more predisposed. Yeah. Ethnic populations.
1: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Northern Europeans um, is the largest uh, sort of ethnic group. Um, it's unclear why why exactly that is. Um, and female, females more so than males, like you mentioned. Uh, and a lot of times, just completely random, and we don't have a great explanation. Nor do we have a great explanation as to why it develops sometimes in utero, sometimes during infancy, sometimes during childhood or adolescence. But generally speaking, when somebody reaches skeletal maturity at some point in high school, they either have it or they don't. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be symptomatic when they have it. There are plenty of patients that you know aren't athletes or they're not using their hips or they have a very mild case where it goes undiagnosed or non-diagnosed until much later in life.
2: Dr. Joe Williams, our guest from Midwest Orthopedics of Rush, an orthopedic surgeon, talking about hip dysplasia. And, uh, Doc, let's break this down to the simple terms. How does someone know they have it?
1: The diagnosis is truly made on one X-ray. So if you can get um, a pelvis X-ray while the patient is standing, we take certain measurements, and it's um, we have a normal set of values for the right amount of coverage, not enough coverage with too much coverage, uh, meaning the ball of the hip joint should be covered by the hip socket a certain amount, and if it's not covered enough, that means that the hip joint's going to wear very abnormally, and we can make that diagnosis using a standard plain film x-ray.
3: Joel, maybe you could just share an experience you've had with, you know, as I mentioned, I've seen this in younger athletes. Do you you have any recent examples of people that you've treated with sort of non-hip replacement solutions? Because obviously the big challenge is uh, finding these patients who you would like to avoid putting metal and plastic in because they want to remain active and they don't want it to loosen. So maybe share with us an example of some of the procedures you've done uh, that are not joint replacement in some of the younger, very athletic population.
1: Sure. So, um... Somebody that I've just actually got six-month follow-up on that I saw last week in clinic had, um, you know, somewhat a normal but painful experience throughout high school while she was playing high school volleyball. She had just recently graduated and was starting to work and spending pretty much all of her day on, on her feet, standing upright. And her hip pain kept getting worse and worse. She referred to me. We di- diagnosed her with plain x-rays. Um, she was diagnosed with a moderate form of hip dysplasia on one side and her other hip is actually normal, which is not uncommon either. Um, she underwent a procedure called a periacetabular osteotomy,
4: which is a mouthful.
1: So even even hip surgeons refer to it as a PAO for short, just because that's just her mouthful to say. And the sort of thumbnail sketch of it of this procedure entails cutting the hip socket free from the rest of the pelvis. In reorienting it in a more normal position to improve the mechanics of the hip and cut down or eliminate the risk of of your arthritis process uh, taking place and avoiding the risk of needing a hip replacement.
3: What do we got in the future? Is, Is there any role for regenerative medicine and stem cells and all the things we talk about but to date haven't really developed new joints?
1: Absolutely. So a lot of times when patients are diagnosed, it's ideal to catch patients when they're diagnosed before any cartilage damage happens. Cartilage wear process, as you mentioned, is called arthritis. And sometimes patients have a touch of arthritis actually when they're referred. If the arthritic process is too advanced and they're not candidates for a PAO or hip preservation option, the only solution, if you already have arthritis, is a hip replacement. So when patients are diagnosed, ideally they have no arthritis, but the reality is sometimes, a lot of times, they have mild to moderate arthritis. So I think in that situation, there's a tremendous role for stem cells regenerative medicine.
2: Talking about hip dysplasia in female athletes, our guest has been Dr. Joel Williams, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. And uh, Dr. Joel, thanks so much for, for joining us here on uh, Sports Medicine Weekly, where we're finding things out here. I'm learning on this show, and Dr. Cole, uh, you can uh, attest to this. This is, you know, more and more of these injuries to young people, correct, that, uh, you know, maybe we, we didn't know about uh,
3: 10, 20 years ago? Yes, it's true. And uh, I think if people want more information, they should definitely go to www.hipsforlife.com. Dot org this is a midwest orthopedist initiative you know we've had this in uh, shoulders for life and knees for life and there's just a lot of uh, uh, uh new evolving solutions to treat this really difficult problem there's also a prevention tips brochure that's available to download so that's hipsforlife.org life org i encourage all of you who are interested in this problem to reach out and go to that site dr williams thanks for joining us my
4: pleasure anytime thanks
2: Dr. Joe Williams, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, back with more of Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages on ESPN Radio.
4: Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkins' 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods Cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP Done-For-You Cleanse comes with a 14-Day Transformation Wellness Bag containing MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, Fat-Burning MCT Lean MCT, oil, snacks, superfoods, recipes, guidelines, videos and other surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14daytransformation.com. That's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit Karen's website at karenmulkin.com. That's k a r e n m a l k i n.com.
0: Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News and World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. Allosource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. Prochondrex, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograph designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about Prochondrex, visit
2: Prochondrex.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole with you, Sports Medicine Weekly. So I want to get this in, Dr. Cole. The uh, NBA draft is passed. And uh, I want to ask you, as the Bulls head team position, uh, what goes into pre draft and now post draft once decisions are made? Well, they,
3: there's always this frenzy that leads up to the draft because, you know, we see a lot of the guys at the combine, right? So that's when in May we do that uh, at uh, Northwestern where they come in, they see they, they will play, they, do, uh, uh, they have evaluations. They go through the battery of tests and so forth. Sure. But a lot of the guys never show. So you're left with this just complete chaos of trying to get records. And some of the guys will try out for one team. They don't try out for another. And then there's so much cycling and juggling that goes on around the draft. I mean, if you knew, it's like every day is a different flavor. So, And then there's so much um, in, that goes on in the background regarding trades and picks and everything. It's I don't even know how these guys do it. It is, And I don't know. You know, I, I have to imagine it takes a long time to learn learning curve's gotta be steep for the guys who are actually behind the scenes. It's it's amazing how complicated the process, at least it seems to me. But from the medical side, that's one part of the equation you know they have all the parameters trying to figure out how these guys might fit in a team and so forth but on the medical side we have to gather information that isn't just universally available especially if they never came to the combine so it's it is a lot of time and effort the trainers have to uh, reach out to a number of individuals there's issues about sharing information and it's extraordinarily complicated but it it is a frenzy and then it usually just filters down in the end where you you sort of figure it out Uh, there's no script for it but it's it's far more chaotic than you might imagine in terms of getting all this stuff together
2: so you got a couple drafted players, and uh, we never like to get into names specifically here when uh, dealing with the Bulls or the White Sox, really. But um, uh, then you bring guys in. Do they have to go through another medical battery of tests at all, or all that was done pretty much? Most maybe, of them,
3: yeah. So most of them, but not all. You're thinking had that, that
2: they wouldn't draft a player who wasn't. Previously tested, but it could happen, right? If something falls in their lap, or
3: in, in theory, it can happen, and you hope that you the medical rep- records that are available are highly representative of their of their issues. You know, truth be told, there's medical issues and there's orthopedic issues. The medical issues are the ones that are most concerning. If someone if some major medical problem were missed, I mean, if you miss a cardiac issue, that's a that's a problem for everyone. And um, fortunately, it rarely happens. On the orthopedic side, their history is what's probably most important. So if you get an accurate history, it's actually interesting. You don't pick up a t- ton on physical exam, but their history is what predicts the past. Generally predicts. the the future so if they've had a remote history of injury the longer they've played on it the less concerned we are so even if they have findings that are that are you know objective on on on, on tested scans and so forth so it's it's a learning curve but i'll I'll tell you it always seems to work out in the end and hopefully we just make the best decisions uh on, on behalf of all the stakeholders
2: all right back with more sports medicine weekly after this ESPN Radio.
4: i had been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance, scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget.
0: To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com Their cutting edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatments make them the highest ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News and World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at rushortho.com or call 877 MD Bones. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy,
4: ow, that's not good,
0: or having an accident. At work. Uh Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy. Better for every body.
2: Our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. Back on this Saturday morning, Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole, it is Sports Medicine Weekly. Dr. Cole, did you know that uh, people are 10% heavier than people were in the
3: 80s, even if they follow the exact same diet and exercise plans? Is that hard to believe? Well, not when you see the obesity numbers. So the answer is no. It's not. In fact, I'm surprised it's only 10%. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's there's a statistic I heard not long ago about um, uh, type, uh, type 1. Type two diabetes that has to relate that relates to food. Yeah, that kids in the it may have been in the eighties. You rarely saw a kid who had diabetes related to nutrition. Mm -hmm. Now there's tens of thousands of kids who have diabetes related to uh, obesity and intolerance to glucose and sugars and so forth, and it's all diet related. So. We absolutely, you know, fortunately our administration, our past administration was really into this. And it's a really, it's a huge topic. Childhood obesity is an enormous problem. So if you told me it was 10%, I'd actually say it sounds low, uh, given what you see going on in this country. And we're probably to blame for it. Our
2: coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger, uh, found an article um, written a little while ago from The Atlantic. uh, The topic, why it was easier to be skinny in the 80s. And uh, interesting stuff. And Let's bring on our expert. And we talked about uh, integrative uh, health. She's an integrative health coach and lifestyle practitioner, certified eating psychology coach, does a wonderful job here on Sports Medicine Week. You love when we have around Karen Malkin. How are you, Karen?
5: Good morning. I'm well. How are you?
2: Good, good. good. This is interesting stuff. I mean, the, the article stated our gut uh, microbiome is, is different than it was years ago. How and why is this happening? So it,
5: it, it was a really interesting article stating that, we're consuming potentially the same amount of calories and moving the same and yet our body mass index is higher. And it's because of some of these man-made chemical toxicants that we're exposed to in our foods, such as pesticides and genetically engineered foods. Um, There's also flame retardants, lead from crumbling old paints and endocrine-disrupting chemicals that's in our personal care products that are like phthalates, which bind the fragrances together, and BPAs that you'll find in food canned linings. Those are known endocrine-disrupting chemicals, and those are um, those could cause weight gain and obesity, and there's links to obesity and all these chemicals that we're not aware of.
3: So l- let me ask you a question, and it may be a little off-topic, but it's something I think about a lot. Is it also how you put these things together, these foods together, in the time in the time day during the time and day? In other words, could you take, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a thousand calorie day and depending on how you s- consume that thousand calories can make a big difference in terms of uh, retention of or, or maintenance of BMI and so forth. And I realize oh, it may definitely. be off t- OK. And I yeah. know it may be a little off topic, but a calorie is not a calorie is not a calorie. And then the, what you're saying is the source of those calories with contaminants and so forth is a really big problem.
5: Oh, for sure. So yes, it's the quality of what we're eating, that we are not eating whole foods like we used to. We're eating food-like substances made in packages and processed with a lot of um, additives. But when you're eating, so your your natural circadian rhythm, if you're eating all of your calories before 7 p.m., you're going to have a different BMI than you are if you're eating all your calories between noon and 11 p.m., right? So eat really late at night is a great way to gain weight. Eat right before bed best way right. to gain weight, you right. know. So, right. yes, for sure, definitely what you eat is important, when you eat is very important, and then how you eat is is equally important.
3: Is, there, is, is there any way to measure this so-called microbiome, you know, in the GI tract? Is there any way, is so, there any objective assessment for it?
5: Yeah, that's really interesting. interesting. So, your gut microbiome, it's it's like your own inner ecosystem. So, it's like your fingerprint, and it, contain, it, it consists of billions of bacteria. So, what happens is, When nowadays, antibiotics, in my opinion, are very overly prescribed and we need them. We really do need them to fight certain infections, but people are taking lots of antibiotics unnecessarily. And what it does is it wipes out your ecosystem and then you have to replenish with either um, a probiotic or some prebiotic rich foods like artichokes and garlic and inulins and, you know, um, and vegetables and fruits so that you can Get that healthy gut microbacteria in back into your gut, and so antibiotics wipe it all out. And so everyone's gut, you know, microbiome is, is very unique. And so you know, we're eating a lot more meat. We're eating poorer quality meat from cows that are fed genetically engineered or GMO grains like corn that's genetically modified instead of cows that are roaming the fields that are moving, that are exercising, that are outside, that are getting sunshine, which is vitamin D, and feeding on grass. And many of these animals nowadays are treated with hormones and antibiotics much more than they were in the 1980s, and that's also going to alter our gut microbiome.
2: Visiting with Karen Malkin, our integrative health coach and lifestyle practitioner, certified eating psychology coach. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Coates, Sports Medicine Weekly. Interesting topic, uh, why it was easier to be skinnier. In the uh, 1980s. Karen, I want to stop you with one thing. You said we're eating more meat. I, I almost find that hard to believe. I mean, you know, growing up in Park Ridge as I did with six kids in the family, my mom always made the meatloaf and you know, a lot of meats. We cooked almost every night or she cooked and it seems like now, I mean, even my kids, they're looking at the chicken and you know, it's, it's a, we're hardly eating any meat. So I don't know if that's typical family, but when you say we're eating more meat, where, where, do, you, where do you find that?
5: So I mean, red meat and chicken, but we're eating meats that are poor quality meats. So that are treated with antibiotics and okay. hormones, and okay. instead of eating meats that have been like grass fed and free range and a healthier, a healthier type of meat.
2: See, I never think chicken is meat. When I think of meat, I think of steak or red and, meat. Yeah, you know, yeah, red but, meats. I yeah. never think of you know. it Goes back to the thing. I mean, I always think of meat not being not being healthy and chicken being healthy.
3: Karen, you know all this stuff intuitively seems correct, and that's you know, and, and, and it's easy for people to understand. Um, what what's your sense of like where the science is like when you when you start to really talk about these things you can influence a lot of people in a very positive way do you get a do you actually see literature on these things and Get a sense of you know you can almost argue that there's even animal studies you could do feeding you know uh, you know whatever their diet is with with pesticides with antibiotics versus not to see how they retain body weight and you know distribute body fat and so forth is that literature out there in the nutrition literature and so forth and I recognize you know this may not be your exact space but I'm curious how much you come across in that in that area.
5: No, I mean yes, this is my space and I recently joined the board as a board of director from the for the Environmental Working Group. It's Great. EWG.org. dot org. It's a database it's for the public they're not-for-profit they're in they're in Washington DC they have the dirty dozen and clean 15 they have a you can you can you can download their healthy living app on your phone where you can bar scan products for their safety rating and this is all free to the consumer and so this is this is online it's ewg org it's all evidence-based research and they have a whole research team and so yeah so Anything that I read or that I discuss with you or that I that I write about in any of my newsletters, it's all evidence based research from studies.
3: That's great. That's great. Karen, mm-hmm. you can get
5: a lot of information on, on the EWG
3: what, website. What, 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 what a, what a, sorry, Steve. I just one you know sort of pressing question. If someone asks, well, what are the best foods to eat for a healthy microbiome? What would you say? Like, what do you, what are the categories? No, no antibiotics, no preservatives, no uh, fertilizers. I think organic, for? right? I don't know, organic is a, well, right, a misnomer. I mis- mean, nommer.
5: organic would be ideal, but not everybody can afford it.
3: And it's a little so, bit of a misnomer. Like, is, is it not? Is the organic concept a little, is it regulated, is use of that word regulated tightly enough that it, you're really getting, you would achieve this goal of, you know, the best microbiome?
5: Well, yes, if it's certified organic, it has to be, um, okay. you know, that's a certification. Now, you can also go to your local farmer's market and ask your farmer and know where your sources are and ask the farmer if they spray their crops because they have to pay they have it certified organic so you could also go to the local farmers market and and if they don't spray then it's great quality and and the 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 cleanest items that you can buy conventional and just wash would be the clean 15 so avocados corn pineapples cabbage it, it's all on the EWG website the um the most highly sprayed are strawberries. Like, you should always buy an org- strawberries organic. Really? Apples, are, yeah. Apple, it's really hard to get the pesticides off. Wow. Apples, nectarines, peaches, cherries, spinach. You know, there's, there's a dozen of those items that are on the EWG website that you really want to buy organic. So, you know, it's really knowing your sources and it's knowing where you're getting your food and where you're getting your meat. How you don't ba- have to spend a lot more money on it.
2: How about bananas? I would think they're safe. see see organic. on the the
5: clean list. Bananas are on the clean list. Okay. And you're also going to peel the skin. Right. Yeah. I
2: always see the organic bananas and the non-organic. So
3: So going back to your messaging, shop the periphery, right?
5: Exactly. Organic. Stay away from the packaged foods that are, you know, not real food. You know, try to get the whole food, the whole nut, the seed, the nut butters, the whole, you know, cheeses that aren't colored dyed orange. Eggs. You know, eggs, yeah, with free-range eggs. Organic eggs, those are healthy, those eggs. Those have a lot of, like, choline and vitamin D, vitamin E in the yolk. Eat the whole egg.
3: And are there any, you know, again, I don't want to get off topic, but are there any pills or things, you know, nutritional supplements that people can do to sort of re- reorganize their microbiome? Or do we really well, have you, to depend on the quality of the food we're taking?
5: I think the food is, is the best. You know, you can do, like, kombucha. You can do... Um, you can make your fermented... It's a fermented beverage. Okay. It's actually really good. And you can drink kombucha, kim, kimchi... Is a fermented food. You can ferment your own cabbage. You can buy something off of Amazon. I think it's like nine dollars. It's called a perfect pickler, and you can pickle your own uh, vegetables. And those, would, and just all you need is like a tablespoon with your meals, and that'll really help put that good, healthy bacteria back in. So you can do it through your food, and then you can also supplement with with uh, probiotics.
2: Good stuff. Very interesting. Karen's the best. Her website: Karen Malkin, K A R E N M A L K I N dot com and uh we can always go an hour with karen
3: can't we dr cole absolutely yeah yeah just gets my mind turning i know me too
2: i'm thinking about what i'm eating and what i'm buying from the store and all kinds of things so uh you're the best karen thank you for sharing thank you talk to you soon karen malkin I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Let's take a break here on Sports Medicine Week on ESPN Radio. AlloSource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. ProCondrax, the latest solution
0: from AlloSource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograph designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about ProCondrax, visit ProCondrex.org.
4: That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. I've been having knee pain for quite some time and did what, probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance, scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I looked forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy the experience was something i'll never forget to learn
0: more about what it's like to be a patient at ati physical therapy visit atipt.com and start your journey to get back to your best today atipt.com you're listening to sports medicine weekly with steve cashel and dr brian cole on espn 1000
2: That's all the time we have for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger, our board operator producer, Felix Reyes, as well as David Cole for operating our website and doing our business side of Sports Medicine Weekly. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again next Saturday at 8.30 for another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, only on ESPN Radio. The preceding program was a
0: paid
1: advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000.